Ben Hyra, Michigan is a unique place on the lake that is home to less than 10,000 with the hearts of a million. From the outside looking in, there's a strong emphasis on place, the location on the lake and easy access to I-94. But this series focuses on the people and their view of leadership, influence, and power and how it impacts the 49022. So welcome back for this special series of the Please Do Tell podcast, Everyday People of the 49022. And we are going to continue our conversation with Mrs. Bertha King. So let's get to it. Benton Harbor, Michigan is a unique place on the lake that is home to less than 10,000 people with the hearts of 1 million. From the outside looking in, there's a strong emphasis on place, the location on the lake and easy access to I-94. This series focuses on the people and their view of leadership, influence and power and how it impacts the 49022. So we are back with a special series for the Please Do Tell podcast surrounding Ben Harbor stories in this community. So we're back with Miss Bertha. This is part two. So hopefully if you've missed part one, you'll go back and listen to part one and then come back and listen to part two. Or you can listen to them out of order. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but we're happy to have um, Miss Bertha Carson King here with us again and we get to hear more stories so i just want to get right to it right to it so the stories that we will be talking about today or let's just start with a uh, story number one so you spoke with david shaw so yes. can you tell us a little bit about david shaw David Shaw is just one of the nicest men to know. I've known him since he was young and, um, and I've seen him just really, you know, walk into his blessings. Uh, he owns the Shaw Barber shop along with his son here in Benton Harbor. And most people, when you say Shaw, barbershop they know who you're talking about yeah and just go in and uh if you want to get into some dialogue about what's happening in the community <laughs> just go to the barbershop they'll they'll tell you how they feel about what's going on <laughs> david david was a pleasure to interview because he really wants a lot of positive things to happen in the community and he has some ideas about what he thinks could help. So he talks about uh, being an influence or a leader to the young men. And as you stated, that he owns the barbershop with his son, um, which I think is just really cool. You're just seeing the generations of the Shaw family in that shop. And it's so funny, even when, when walking in, it's like everyone looks at you and they, they speak, but they're like, okay, well, how can we help her today? <laughs> or, you know, you can kind of feel like the conversation just has to stop because they have to just kind of like, okay, is she here to pick up somebody or but it's just the vibe i just love the vibe of the barbershop i just i can actually sit in, if i could just be a fly on the wall especially for most of the conversations i just want to be in there for them because it's <laughs> so many jewels that they drop so i want to hear from mr david shaw when he's talking about um 
influencing young men. Where you sit in this community as a as a, a leader of influence, I mean, there's no other word for it. What can you do, uh, David, to make this city a better place to live in? Mm. Well, what I do is I try to pass on, like I said, to the young men, because that uh, how to be respectful, you know, uh, hold on to your morals, you know. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> that's where most of my mm -hmm. influence goes is to the young men that come in here. Mm -hmm. Starting out with pull your pants up, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah, and, it, and after a while it caught on, you know. Mm -hmm. Mr. Chaucer, hey, pull your pants up. <laughs> you know, but yeah, to, to hold on to that respect for one another and mm -hmm. yourself. Mm -hmm. And holding on to that respect for yourself and one another. Now, in part one, we talked a little bit about what can we do as a community to connect with the young people and to establish that their respect and those relationships with them. But to even hear, when you hear it from even, I feel like when it comes from an older black man or someone that you respect, it sticks. And for him to say that he's actually enforcing that inside of his shop, it's like, So many little hearts, so many little hearts. Um, but I think my question to you that I don't think I've, I've even asked, or if I did ask, I just kind of got lost in that and just how, I mean, I know Mr. Shaw because um, I grew up with one of his nieces and he's actually best friends with my uncle Maine, which is one of my mom's younger brothers. And I'm just like, geez, Mr. Shaw still looks the same. <laughs> like he still looks the same. And I I love it. So I just love the fact that you even um, interviewed him. But yeah, just, and if you said it already, it's like, I want you to repeat it, but why? why was it so important for you to interview Mr. Shaw because I know that there's numerous um, barber shops in this area, but I feel like he's probably been around or still in business or one of the longest running barber shops in this area. Uh, exactly those two things and the fact that I know him mm -hmm. and that I believe that if anybody uh, is representative of the culture of Benton Harbor, David is, and he's dealt with so many individuals who, who've come through, you know, tragedies and uh, sickness and whatever you can name, uh, and that he had something to say, and still does mm -hmm. uh, in this community. So to get that that uh, perspective from him uh, because he he certainly has been around long enough to, to have a voice. So I know even um, with his conversation, he talks a lot about um, 
just being a strong influencer in his family, um, just his conversation with his sons when it just surrounds like different issues within the community, which as far as policing and all of that, and even the impact of George Floyd as a black man. Um, so I want to be able to touch on all of those, but um, let's hear from Mr. Shaw when he talks about his conversation with his sons um, surrounding policing, because I, I feel like that's very important, because uh, especially when we talk about black men. Yeah. It's like we're going back into time, everything except for cell phones, I guess. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're, we're living in a critical time. Um, there are some things that have happened in Benton Harbor over the years um, that you will never forget. What's one thing that, that you won't forget, but it demonstrated leadership? <clears throat> well, uh, one thing that comes to mind for me is when we got in the young mayor, Muhammad, and things were kind of taking a little turn. You know, you could see that uh, the commission was starting to work together, and all of a sudden they brought in uh, what you call the emergency finance manager mm -hmm. and shut down a whole uh, uh, city, you know, the city employees. They had no longer had any say in any event of mm -hmm. anything that went on in Benton Harbor. Mm -hmm. and, uh, I thought that was, you know, very, uh, I don't know what to call it. When Mr. Shaw said that it feels like at times we're going backwards or just rewinding time, but just without cell phones. That hit different for me because I've heard my elders tell these stories of being in the South or even, um, different racial encounters, even from us going from Ben Harbor to St. Joe and what that's been like. And so I even, I even asked you, um, when he told that story or when he said that, how did, did anything come back to your memory from you, even like a racist encounter for you, even as of recently that just kind of warped you back to okay, we still have so far to go. Uh, yes. Well, even, even uh, watching the Ahmaud Arbery being, um, you know, chased down and, and murdered and all of that together during this pandemic just created such stress. Mm -hmm. And then to hear uh, George Floyd calling for his mother was so, oh, that was so heart-wrenching for me. And that's why I wrote that piece, as you remember, on I Can't Breathe. Mm -hmm. because, because for me, I wasn't just thinking about me. I was thinking about my children and my grandchildren and where we're going in the midst of all of this. Um, we, we'll never go back to the days because people won't stand for mm -hmm. a return to slavery of any type. 
but there's a mentality that has been unleashed with this White House administration that says you can you can hate all you want to, you can act in any way you want to, uh, and nobody's going to criticize you or say anything to you because uh, we're going to return to yesteryear. Mm. And I want to acknowledge to people that yesteryear will never happen again because there is a, a faith calling that many of us have. And we know somebody bigger than any one person or any situation that can occur. Now, that doesn't mean that we're not going to be attacked or that we might not lose our lives. Mm -hmm. But I think what is important to know is that we will overcome. Mm. We They sung that song, We Shall Overcome. Mm -hmm. And I'm a witness today, Radhika, <laughs> that even in my life, I've been, I've been, I've been treated badly, but I've stood my ground and they knew that I was not afraid to speak up up and I was not afraid to smile in the midst of adversity and that I could hold my own because nobody owns a person who is sincere and determined to be who they are. You just stand fast, stand up mm. in the midst of whatever's coming against you because I'm telling you, the world could care less about you. That's why you got to know who you are in times like these, you got to know whose you are mm -hmm. and you got to be able to smile, smile while the train is moving off and saying <laughs> that I catch it and may not catch it on this route, but I, I know it's going to be waiting somewhere. <laughs> uh, well, I know that. Um, and I, and I love the fact that you even mentioned because we're about to hear a short clip about um, the impact of George Floyd. And it's if it's like I almost I want to turn the camera to the screen because it's a beautiful steal of Mr. Shaw. I'll just take a picture of it with my camera so so we can probably eventually post it somewhere. But it's just how I. Anywho, so we're going to hear from, because it's, it's, it's so important, especially now and even going forward to have these conversations and hear these stories, especially from Black men. So he, let's hear from Mr. Shaw when he talks about his, the impact of George Floyd as a Black man. Right. When, when you saw what happened to George Floyd on television as a black man. What were some thoughts that went through your mind? Ooh, uh, 1950s, 60s, uh, way back when, you know, you had no say-so in anything. Uh, you had to look at the ground. So it was almost, you know, when you went by. So it was like, hey, they were telling him, look at the ground, don't look at me. And it was it was just very, very sad, you know, and it made you almost seem like it was in, intentional. Mm -hmm. And it was very hurtful. 
Right. Did you feel some anger? Yes, yes, definitely felt anger. I've had uh, an incident where I was in the South visiting and at a young age and some people rode by and waved. And I waved back and my uncle slapped me. Said, you can't do that because you finna go back to Michigan. We got to live down here. So it made all that <laughs> come back, you know. Uh, saying, man, yeah, this is real. Yeah. It's like we're going back into time, everything except for cell phones, I guess. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're we're living in a critical time. Um, uh, um, when you think of organizations who are influential in the community, do you see the church as a strong influencer in the community? Yes. If they were combined, you know, you know, not every church, you know, this is my church, this is my church, you know, and they don't communicate. You know? They need more unity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, more unity and trust. Yeah, but they could be a, a very strong because that's where you're going to find some of the youth still participating, you know, and mm -hmm. you can kind of catch them while they're young. Okay, What's, what are two or three lessons that you think you've learned in this life at your age? At <laughs> <laughs> my age now, uh, it was, uh, I learned that it was good to have the parents that were hard on me, you know, bringing me up back then because it, you know, it really made a difference to okay. where you can see to where... Uh, you can't say the wrong thing to a youngster now. Okay. You know, not being their parent or something like that. Yes. Know? Whereas everybody was your parent back then. Right. So that change brought a whole change to, you know, uh, how we communicate and socialize with the, with the young people. You know, it's, it's kind of hard. So I went back a little further because even talking about... Uh, <laughs> uh, influence when it comes to not just the family but also organizations and it's funny that he said that because even when you go on Facebook and you hear from the people in the community they say the exact same thing they'll say that we're almost working in silos and there's no unity so what would be I guess, um, even from your viewpoint when it comes to unity, because he had some great ideas as far as like the block clubs and everything and just kind of banding together and doing more unity driven, I guess, projects. So what would be some tips from you to even even listening to Mr. Shaw even say something like that? Because I said, oh, my gosh, you. He's saying stuff that some of us are so scared to say, but um, but then, you know, it's like you say it and then you come up with a solution. So what would be so, some solutions that you think will work? I think in the same vein that he's speaking of, I think if, um, you know, once we get past this COVID, mm -hmm. one of the things would be to you know, get people out there. Uh, Pastor Maurice McAfee does 
tries a lot of that at the Broadway Park and mm -hmm. different places and try to bring people together to have family time and enjoy themselves. But I think more ministers need to step up to come out in their areas and do the same thing. We got to stop thinking territorial mm -hmm. um, and uh, just my neck of the woods. And we've got to pull our suits off and, and just, you know, come down and mix with the people, look like them and act like you're on the level with them for whatever you're trying to do to help them because they know who you are. So, I mean, we don't have to wear certain things to show them that we are <laughs> at whatever level or title because they don't care about that. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think I said this to you the first time that many times we're the only Bible many people will ever read. Mm. And if we and if we don't read right, they don't care about you pulling out the the hand hell Bible. Yeah. They don't want that. They want to know do your life and the way you treat me, the way you interact with me, the way you speak to me, does it does it emulate the love? of the God that you talk about. And I, I I think if we can have more events, more situations where people can come together and it's not about you belonging to my neck of the woods. <laughs> it's about belonging because we're all in this together. Yeah. We're all in this together. And if we expect to come out of it, we're going to have to do what's necessary as a collective group in order to move past what is happening with us. So what was your biggest takeaway from your conversation with Mr. Shaw? That, that David has a true influencer role mm -hmm. in this community. And a lot of it may seem old fashioned to some people, but the young people recognize caring when they hear it, mm -hmm. truth when they hear it, and, uh, uh, you know, great service when they get it, which causes them to come back so they can hear some more of that old fashioned, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, wisdom. And uh, uh, not he's not prejudging people. He's simply speaking from the heart uh, of a man who happens to be black. Mm -hmm. And happens to be uh, in a in a position to make a difference, and he's giving that difference to those who happen to come into his shop. Oh, I'm so glad that you were able to get a conversation with him, and it's like you want to have more conversations, especially um, especially inside of the barbershop because that it. There's some great stories inside of that barbershop. It's like their own little therapy sessions in itself. And that's when you really, I feel a lot of times you get the, the true voices, especially of the black men from your community, because they sit down and they get to talking and they, they tell what's really on their minds and their hearts. So I love that you were able to, to sit down with him. So 